Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. For more information about the ministry of Gateway Church and Pastor Chris Monahan, go to igateway.org. We're going to talk about what some of the symbolism that we find in the book of Revelation. Now, one of my one of the clearest scriptures that I believe in in the scriptures about the end times is in found in 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. And remember the letters that we have with us today. It's, it's amazing to think something that Paul had written for him to be sent out to uh, some believers, a church that he was ministering to, that, that we still have these written words with us today. Don't you find that fascinating? And I rejoice over that. And there are other letters out there that went missing that Paul had written. It'd be cool one day to, to read everything. But we believe that these letters are words for us today. Everything that's in the Bible is, is needed for us, for our walk and for our, our, our daily life. And Paul was writing in 1 Corinthians 15. And he says that in Adam all will die. So also in Christ all should be made alive. But each his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Now remember the, the idea that Christ fulfilled the first fruits was that he was the, the that Jesus actually rose from the dead on the feast of first fruits. So it's, there's I'm not getting into that today, but there's there's a lot about the, the feast, the Lord's feast. But it talks about Christ the first fruits and that at his coming, how many know it talks about his coming or his, his coming, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the father after destroying every rule and authority and power for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now, in my interpretation, what I see is that Jesus will return for a thousand years. Now, some believe that's symbolic. Some believe it's literal. He'll actually return. I actually believe, as far as my studying is going, remember when you teach the book of Revelation, I can't touch bottom when I'm teaching you. There's no bottom. I, I, I would love to be able to stand firm, but it, it's, there's so many different interpretations. But I believe that Jesus will literally return for 1,000 years. And when he returns, that there will be another uprising, which is interesting. There'll be another uprising and then Jesus will completely wipe out every bit of rebellion on this planet. There's a, there's a picture that takes place that I think is very inspiring and I've showed it here before, but it, it's almost like a triangle. At the beginning of time, there was the Garden of Eden. And then we see, then, then there was the flood and then there was the kingdom of Israel. And then we get to the pinnacle of time. How many know that there's BC and there's AD? The pinnacle of time was when Jesus was born. Jesus came to this planet, the son of God. Yahweh, the father, sent his son to come to this planet to reclaim the earth because Adam forfeited his rule and his, Adam, you know, Adam was put here to rule. God told him, be fruitful, multiply, and rule the earth. But he forfeited that authority to Satan. So Satan had authority on this planet, but Jesus came as the second Adam to reclaim that. And now time itself hinges on that event. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? But so now it's now there is a restoration process that's happening. We started at the Garden of Eden and then the triangle goes up to the top here. With the, with the cross, with the birth of Jesus and his, his defeat of death, hell, and the grave. And now, as the church age is here, there is a restoration process that we're getting back to reclaiming the earth. The reason why Adam was put here was to rule and take back the planet because Satan was already here. So God put the garden, put, put the garden here, put Adam in the garden in hopes that that garden would take over the planet and kick Lucy out of here. But now it's our turn. Jesus reclaimed that authority. 
He reclaimed that authority that Adam lost through the second Adam, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came as a man who now sits on the throne with his Father in heaven. So what's happening? This is what I believe. Here we are. Garden. Birth of Jesus. The city. The new Jerusalem. The new earth. How many know we're going to have a new earth? All right. Jesus is ruling on this earth. But there's going to be a process. I believe just like the flood, the pre-flood times. There was the garden and there was the flood. There's going to be a, a thousand years at the end prior to the full restoration of heaven and earth where Jesus will reign by himself here on this planet. But then both the father and son will co-rule together after that a thousand years. Let me show you in scripture. I would play twilight music zone, twilight zone music behind me the way you guys are looking at me right now. Okay. Let me, let me read. I'm just going to use scripture to get my end time perspective. Is that okay? So the last enemy to be destroyed is death. 1 Corinthians 15, 26. Verse 27, for God, the Father, has put all things in subjection under his feet. Whose feet? The feet of Jesus. But when it says all things are put in subjection... It is plain that he is accepted. Jesus is accepted who put all things, or I'm sorry, God the Father is accepted when he put all things under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subject, subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. If anyone has ears, let him hear. So it's that picture of Jesus ruling but then the father and son will co-rule together throughout eternity. And I would encourage you when you're reading this, again, in my book, Two Powers in Heaven, I go through this because at the end of the book, it's the throne of God and the lamb. There's two powers in heaven. We honor Jesus the same way we honor the father. We worship Jesus. We worship the father. If the church you go to doesn't worship Jesus the same way they worship the father, it's cult. It's not orthodox. So when we get into the book of Revelation, we're going to begin to see. Did that make sense to you guys? Yeah. You guys seem a little confused. Let's, okay. That's the picture that we have that there is going to be a reclaiming of the earth. Just like there was a, a time before the flood where things were different. There'll be a time that after Jesus will come, physically return to this planet and rule that there will also be a thousand year millennial period, thousand year period. Um, but when, let's get back into Revelations 13, nine. And it says this, it says, Revelation 13, one, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea with 10 horns and seven heads with 10 diadems on its horn and blasphemous names on its head. Now the word beast, Therion, is also used in the Bible for an evil person or in describing the sinful nature of man. So when we talk about the beast rising up, we also look at the other symbolism in the Bible where it refers to the beast, and oftentimes it's referred to the beast nature of man. How many know man has a beastly nature? I think in our society today, we don't realize that good, good people do some really stupid, dumb inconsiderate evil things at times we want to always just oh they're they're demons and there's angels listen i always i like what somebody said one time 666 is the number of man but it's 777 is the number of god but the reason why it can be confusing because it's awfully close to 777 sometimes we can't tell the difference and we've got to realize that we ourselves can operate in the beast nature. And we don't want to operate in that beastly nature. And when we talk about, because today we'll talk about the mark of the beast, we'll talk about the antichrist, and we're going to talk about it from a different perspective. And you can have your own view on this and disagree with your pastor, and we can still love each other. Amen. 
But I want to explain this to you because there's a picture here. How many know Satan only counterfeits? Satan is, has, has no original idea in his brain, but he will counterfeit what the kingdom of God is doing. So if people are, if, if, if whatever the enemy's coming against, there's no counterfeit $3 bills. You know why? Because there's no real $3 bills. So people say Satan's counterfeiting the gifts of the spirit. That's because the gifts of the spirit are actually real. That was a counterfeit healing. That means that there's actually real healings. But it goes on to say, and the beast and the dragon gave his power and his throne great authority. So we have this person or this symbol. Again, remember, John is seeing a vision. He sees this dragon. What does the dragon represent in scripture? You guys scared to say anything? Satan. And Satan is the dragon, and dragon gives the authority to who? To the beast. And so oftentimes people think, well, this is the, this is the antichrist. This is, this is the, the man of lawlessness. And you'll begin to see that there is a very similar way that just like the father gave his son Jesus all authority in heaven and earth. This is one of the reasons I'm crazy about the Lord, is because God the Father gave all his authority and power to another person, to the person of Jesus Christ. Chew on that for just a second. He's a God, not just a power, but he's a God of empowerment. You understand how now our position as believers changes. Why? Because our goal is to learn how to receive that authority and power that the, just like Jesus received it from his father, because Jesus said, as my father conferred a kingdom on me, so I confer a kingdom on you. And Jesus modeled how to receive that kingdom. And he received it from his father. So you and I need to learn how do we receive the empowerment that the father wants to give us. And I believe his empowerment is by his spirit. Come on, how many know we need to pray for more of the Holy Spirit in our life? That was, that, that's how we are empowered. But you begin to see the dragon gives his position like God the father, the beast is positioned like Jesus. And then they even have another beast mentioned in Revelations 13, and that's position like the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, it said, one of its heads, and we're still talking about the first beast, one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. Now, a mortal wound that was healed is a picture of the resurrection. You understand, you're seeing a picture here of, you have the dragon, the source of the power, but then you have this antichrist or this other beast or this beast, and it has a mortal wound, but then it's healed. And we see the same happened to Jesus. He was empowered by the father. Two, he received the mortal wound. Number three, he was healed or raised up from the dead. That was, that was how he was healed. So when we look at the word antichrist, we hear the word Christ. And we hear the word also anti, which means not necessarily against, but to take the place of. And when we talk about the Antichrist, the, rev like, the only time the, anti the word Antichrist is ever mentioned in the scripture, it's defined as a spirit that's already here. Never as a man or woman that's yet to come. So the Antichrist, you guys follow me this morning? I know we're talking on the book of Revelation here, but it, it's not, we, we always see the Antichrist, it's everything opposite of Jesus, yes, but the main purpose of the Antichrist is to take the place of Jesus Christ. So this Antichrist spirit empowers people the same way that Jesus wants to empower the local church. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Guys, we're in a war. Yeah. 
You're a battle axe. We're a battle axe. We have to be ready for what's, what's ahead. If the church doesn't learn to receive their power, the Antichrist, how many know, is empowering a lot of very demonic people out there right now. And we don't want to operate in the spirit of stupid and give in to the spirit of the Antichrist because that's what a lot of churches, a lot of Christians actually have the mark of the beast on their forehead. And the mark of the beast is not some number, but it's a pattern of thinking. It's a way of thinking. It's the beastly nature that they're operating in. You can say amen or ouch. <laughs> Verse four, and they worship the dragon for he had given his authority. How many know that it's all about worship? It's all about worship. What did the devil say to Jesus in the wilderness? I'll give you this. I'll do this. If you do that, if you just worship me, it all comes down to worship. When you say yes to Jesus and worship Jesus, you've just given the devil a headache. He hates worship. It comes down to worship. Now, many of us don't understand what worship is, but it's who we go to when we're in trouble. It's what we run to. He is our source. Like we come to Jesus. I'm here for you, Jesus. My life's not all together, but Lord, I'm here for you. I'm focusing on you. But they worship the dragon who had given him authority to the beast and they worship the beast. So Jesus, just like the beast, also is called to receive worship. But let's talk about this beast. Revelations 13, 7. It was also allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. That there is a force out there that wants to defeat you and I. Wants to come against us and our purposes and our plans. But we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And not by loving our lives unto death. That's the call. Revelation is an end time book and it's a now book. Because the church has to learn how to become the battle axes that we're called to be. To bring down kingdoms. To bring down godless authorities. We're called to do that. Jesus caused the rising and the falling of many. Guys, you hear that. He caused the good people to rise up and the evil people to fall down. When the Israelites went into the promised land, they faced giants. They went into this place and destroyed the Canaanites. The Canaanites... There were, the word Canaan, Canaan means to bring low or to bring you down. That's what the demons want to do is to bring you down. Right. We're in a battle. We're in a fight. But we got to make sure that we're sealed by God. Yes. Remember, the opposite of the mark of the beast is to be sealed by God himself. Yeah. And there's a special thing that happens to you and I when we are sealed by God. How many are grateful for the seal of God this morning? But we're in a war. And it says that they came to conquer. And it says an authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all the people who dwell on earth will worship it. And this is the image that the, that the, that is the second beast had set up. And it said, and everyone whose name had not been written before the foundation of the world. In the book of life of the lamb who was slain. So this morning, if you have a worksheet, we want to be earful. <laughs> That's not even a word. But we want to be earful. We want to be listening. He didn't say, to him who has a new nose, let him smell. To him who has eyes, let him see. He didn't say, to him who has a tongue, let him taste. He said, to him who has ears, let him hear. Hear what the Spirit is saying. We have to... Know Jesus in this time like never before. We have to be earful, putting our ear to the Lord. I want to hear what the Lord is saying. You can't hear what he's saying if your face is in Facebook. You need to have your face in his face. Seek his face in his book, not Facebook. We have to learn. I tell you, it's difficult to get off social media. But you have to tell yourself, this is not good for me to be on here this long. I need to get into his face because the beast, the beastly image and the beastly nature, it's coming through media. Shocked. I'm no, you're all shocked to hear that one. Between the talking heads and the fake news. 
<laughs> I have to pay for my news now. I was tired of being lied to for free. The Epic Times, Epoch Times. Any Epoch Times subscribers? All right. I'm going to urge you on that one. That's a good one. We got to go for truth. A lot of good ones out there. We have to be aware because the beast nature comes through these powers. We have to recognize that we need to use social media and use the media for a tool to bring the gospel. But we need to be aware of that beastly nature that's coming through what our eyes are seeing. I was out shopping yesterday. One of my favorite things to do. TJ Maxx is my favorite store. There was not a single man in sight when I was there. I'm just kidding. I would not enjoy it all. I looked around. And I said, oh, my gosh. I feel a lot of women around me right now. <clears throat> so, but I saw this little thing in TJ Maxx, and it had, you know, had, it wasn't very nice, but it was a good message. Well, I don't know if it was a good message, but it, you know, it has the, the three chimpanzees, you know, see no evil, hear no evil. Speak no evil. <laughs> and, and I thought to myself, that's really good for little children. But for the church, we've stuck our head in the sand. We're so afraid to see something that's evil and believe that there's actually evil going on around us. I would highly encourage you to read Eric Metoxas' book called Letter to the American Church. Or his story on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Great audiobook, great book to read. Guys, we need to hear these messages. The German Christians in the times of the Nazi regime were like us today. They did not believe the evil that was going on. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. They, they stuck their head in the sand. We have an example that we can look back and see what happened in Germany. So that we don't let the same thing happen here in America. And it's happening. I'm not going to pretend nothing's going on. Because I know stuff's going on. Every time I look at my phone, it's 911. Every, one, every time. For the last three years, since the 2020 election, I prayed and fasted for three days after that election. No water, no food. Because I was so wrenched. Not, not that my candidate didn't win. But that it was fraudulent. It ripped me because I said, man, this is evil. I'm for one person, one vote. I know it's kind of a radical thought. I actually believe that a Republican and Democrat should count the votes together. What a concept. And that everyone needs an ID to be able to vote. I believe that 100%. I believe absentee voting is evil, but guess what? For, except for you're in the military and certain, there's certain issues, but what's happening is we have to be aware of the evil that's happening in our society and we can't live by this see no evil speak no evil and hear no evil because that's what's probably 95% of the churches are doing not here at gateway not here ever we're not doing that there's more stuff coming down the pipe we closed down for two months uh, during the pandemic that will never happen again I would encourage you don't put a medical device on your face no one can tell you to put a medical device on your face. If they can convince you you have to wear a medical device on your face, what else can they convince you? What other medical device can they attach to your body? If you don't believe a mask is a medical device, look it up. In the FDA, it's determined it's a medical device. If someone says you have to put a medical device on your face, you tell them, you say, you're not a doctor. You're practicing medicine without a license. That's a felony in the state of Indiana. I'm calling the police on you. Yeah. So be positioned, friends, and make a stink. Make a stink. That's what the Lord told us a number of years ago. He said, I just need you guys to be a stench to the enemy. I said, I think we can do that. Come on, look at your neighbor. I think, tell them, I think you can do that. <laughs> All you got to do is stink. <laughs> Some of you are like, I think, you're, I think you'd be really good at that. Uh, so we see that there is a power going on. And it is about <laughs> power. We need to be earful. We also need to be enduring. 
Come on, be enduring. It's not easy. When life is going well, it's a gift, but when it's hard, it's life. But I want to encourage you. God will reward you for your faithful endurance. He will reward you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep doing the work of God. Keep doing what you're doing. God loves when you endure. You love comfort. God loves when you endure. He loves character. Now, when we look at the mark of the beast, the mark is, and I have to, I have to unteach revelation. <laughs> That's because we've all been taught it. But the mark, actually, it represents your character. It's your character and how you think and how you act and what you do. We look into the scriptures. Remember in Deuteronomy when it talked about putting the word of God. And where did it say that the word of God should reside? It said on your forehead and on your hands. And so we see what happens in Deuteronomy 6.6. 6 said, these are the commands that I give you today. There are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk around the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Deuteronomy 6, 8. Tie them on, as symbols on your hands and bind them to your forehead. So you ever see the pictures of the, the rabbinical Jews after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, uh, there was called rabbinical Judaism was formed. And what they would do is they would actually have little boxes on their foreheads. You can look this up on the internet and it'd be like a little headband and they would put them on their foreheads and then they would have little boxes of scriptures on their hands. Well, where do you think the, like I said, the enemy is only counterfeiting these things. Do you think God wants you to strap a little headband with the Bible on your, on your forehead and strap a little Gideon's Bible on your hand? It's symbolic, right? And it's the same thing when we talk about the mark of the beast. It's a symbolism of how we think. Is the beastly nature in you? Or is the word of God in you? Is the word of God in your thoughts and your action? Or is it the beastly nature that's in your thoughts or your actions? That's where we have to divide, separate ourselves from those very things. So we have to be enduring. Everybody say enduring. <laughs> you will be mocked for your stance. But Revelation 13 says, here is a call for the endurance and the faith of the saints. Revelation 13, 1, it says, Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth, and it had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. Now, whenever something is pictured as a lamb, it's gentle, it's sacrificial. The horns represent authority, but the lamb represents the gentle, gentleness and the sacrificial. And again, there was, a, there was the dragon who was the source. There was the antichrist, or the first beast, which represents the Antichrist, but then there was this other beast that represents more of the spirit or a spirit or an influence. And what I believe is that now in our society, especially in our media, we have this deceptive voice that's coming forth that seems peaceful, but it's counterfeit peace. How many know that true peace is always preceded by righteousness? What happens today is people want to have this peace, but they want to throw out God in the first place. We have people that are with intentions to destroy male and female identities. We have people with the intention to destroy all boundaries in the world. We have people that want private property to be something of the past where we no longer can own our own property. And they want you eating bugs. And they want you eating stuff that they're creating in a laboratory instead of stuff that they grow on a farm. That's why people are saying cows are the greatest source of pollution in the world. No, you're an idiot. That's how, that's how hard and fast 
We have this beastly nature. It, is, it seems like they're doing the right thing. We just need climate change. Climate change is a hoax. What they're doing, I'm, like, I'm about taking care of the environment, but can I tell you that what's happening is more people are dying from climate change policies than they are from climate change. So the, the world is more concerned about overpopulation. God was never concerned about overpopulation. If you don't believe in God, then they're worried about the world being overpopulated. So their ideas right now is we need to decrease population. I would love to tell you that this is right-wing conspiracy, but it's not. They want to take the population from 8 billion down to 500 million. They're intentionally doing that. So don't just jump into anything that you're told to do because there's intention to destroy mankind because these, these people believe that they will live forever once they get the right medical technologies going on in their bodies. So they don't want us around. We're called useless eaters. I'm not a useless eater. I'm a person with the image of God. I'm a person that has a voice. I'm a person that will endure what it takes, even if I don't win. You know, your pastor was in front of the commissioners this week fighting a bill that was empowering the people who mishandled the COVID restrictions and everything. They gave them, gave them another $750,000 to empower our health department, who you know and I know that did a horrible job creating this culture of fear and hypochondriacs and not let us visit, visit our loved ones, disrupting our schools, the emotional stability of our lives, telling you you have to shut your businesses, shut your churches. That's evil. I spoke up. I was there. We didn't win. We lost. But I'm not there to win. I'm there to be a voice. I'm there to speak out and speak truth. Because this is another beast. This is a beastly nature. This is not how our society was founded. But this beast is rising up. It looks like a lamb. It seems nice, but it has authority. It's deceptive. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence, and it makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. <laughs> so we see this other beast operates in the same power, but it comes across as being peaceful. We just want to help. We want to protect you. We want to keep you safe. That's, that's not your job. That's the job of Jesus to do that. And it says it performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven in front of the people. Revelations 13, 3, and we go on to the next verse. And by the signs that it allows to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet live. Can I tell you that there is deception that's going on in our world today? And we have to be aware that we can be deceived. And that's why it's so important that every day you encounter the Lord, you spend time with him and let him give you the direction that you need for your day and for your life. Because there is an antichrist out there. But can I tell you, it's not a man coming or a woman coming. It's a spirit that's out there that's already in operation that would love to come and infect our lives. We look into the book of John, the book of John, the, uh, the first John, it says this first John two, 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 it says, who is the liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the antichrist who denies the father and the son. It also refers to this is a spirit or look at this and here we go. First John four, three, and six. I got it. You guys were worried, weren't you? I got it. it says every spirit who does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of the antichrist. Everybody say spirit. spirit. Can you put that up? First John four, three, and six is at the end. Every spirit who does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Now we oftentimes think, they're referring to Jesus not coming in a physical body. 
But what if he's referring to that Jesus doesn't come in you and I, the flesh? How many know Jesus has come to dwell in your flesh? To take our authority away. How many feel that the church uh, in most, most parts is, is not stepping into its power? Like there's more power. Raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. You know, how many see that happen? I don't see that happening enough in my own life. I got to up my game. We all should be going, well, why isn't this happening? What it says in the book of Acts? Why am I not raising the dead? That's a good question. We've got to see ourselves as a powerful people and that Jesus has truly come in the flesh. But interesting when we talk about the other beast, we talk about the antichrist. One of my friends, Joel Richardson, and he speaks a lot about how Islam is the seventh beast, or it's the seventh uh, evil empire, one of the horns. It's one of the, the kingdoms that is coming forth in the end times. He actually pictures in the, Dan, uh, the statue in Daniel is that the Islamic empire is the final empire that will bring destruction. But they have a motto that God is not a father and he has no son. They write that on the Dome of the Rock. It's written on the outside of the Dome of the Rock. God is not a father and he has no son. What is the spirit of the Antichrist? Can we put that back up? I believe, I think it's 1 John 2.2.2. 2, 2. What's it say? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the father and the son. Final point here. We got to be earful, be enduring, but we need to be earthy as well. We don't want to be so caught up in the end times and the heavenly things that we're not doing what is needed here on earth. People become so heavenly minded, they become no earthly good. I think we should be heavenly minded as well. And we also believe we need to do the practical stuff that needs to be done. This is what happened in the book of Thessalonians is that people began to focus so much on the end times, they got rapturitis that they didn't do what they were called to do. We need to be both heavenly minded and earthly minded. We have to do both. Second Thessalonians, it says, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you brothers not to become quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us the effect that the day of the Lord has already come. And so there was a lot of belief back then in, in the Thessalonian church that it had already come, that it had already had taken place, or they were alarmed. And the way they were going about it, Paul is trying to correct them because they were over-focused on what the end was going to happen instead of living their lives. How many know that the last days have been since the time Jesus rose from the dead? We are in the last days and we have been, but we have to do, we have to focus both on the heavenly and the earthly. What's happening in our lives now is we're beginning to discover that we need to be a people that receives authority and empowerment from God. How many have been realizing that in their lives? Yeah. I need to be a powerful Christian. Yeah. I, I can't just be nice. I mean, nice is good, but I need to be powerful. I need to be equipped to do what Jesus did. Yeah. When we begin to step into that place of authority, we're seeing that now we believe that Jesus Christ has come and he's here in me, yeah. that I represent him, but I want to step into that place of authority. And I always think about in the movies, like the first Spider-Man, how many have ever seen the first Spider-Man? You know, he's, he's suddenly realizing that he can do all these, he can jump, he can shoot spidey web and, you know, throw things and do all the, he's discovering his superpowers. And right after he begins to realize I'm powerful, then the villain arises in his city. That's what's happening to the church. We're beginning to realize we're powerful. We have authority. We have spidey web that comes out of, you know, we're, we're good. But the villains are rising. So now we have to use the gifts that we've, that have been unveiled in us, the Jesus, 
that's been unveiled in us, we need to let him out yes. to the world and do what God has called us to do. I want to end with a little talk on 666 and revealing the Antichrist. Antichrist, I believe it's a spirit and it's the beastly nature that gets in people's mind. The Antichrist is not a person. It's battling that beastly nature inside of our own foreheads. That's the battle. That's the real battle. That's why when the enemy marks it's 666, what happens is a lot of people are looking for a number. They're looking for a computer chip. And I wouldn't recommend those things at all. But the more important thing is it's the beastly nature on our life. The Greek word here, I don't, let me go ahead and read this. Revelations 13, 16. Come on, how many ever heard of 666 before? I mean, it's all over, you know. Everyone knows it's 666. Um, Revelations 13, 16. And it says, also it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Verse 18, this calls for wisdom. Let no one who is, has, un, let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is 666. Now, some translations have 606. So there is some challenges in the scripture. And what a lot of people do is they actually turn the letters into numbers. So the letter A would be a number one. The letter B would be, you know, two, you know, F would be 16. I don't know. But they mark each letter with a number. And then what they've done throughout history is they're trying to figure out whose name equals 666. So they can figure that out. But I don't believe that that's valid. I don't believe, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad idea, but I don't think it's necessarily what we're called to do in scripture. Um, I did discover something scary though. I do, I do want to just caution you. Can you put up our church address here? Uh, this is kind of freaking me out right now. Um, so this is our address and this is our, our number nine, six, six, six. So just never know. I mean, it's all, this is all, you know, up, up for, it's, this is, I, I just want to say this. Take that off. I'm just, just kidding. Okay. So when it talks about, this is the number of man, the Aramaic can be translated the son of Adam's number. This is the number. This is the beastly nature that Adam carried on in his life. There is no reference to the Antichrist in the book of Revelation. The beast is equated to the number of the nature of humanity. Guys, we have a beastly nature. Mankind has a beastly nature. The number 666 is the number of man, not an incarnation of the devil, but human nature. The number six is always equated with man for when was man created? On the sixth day. The wild beast rising out of the ground, which man was from, is the sin of man that wars against our souls and prevents the image of Christ from emerging in fullness with the believer. So when we live in our sinful nature, Jesus can't come out of our nature. So we have to put that nature to death inside of us and live by the nature of Christ. We can't live under the mark of the beast, but we have to live under the seal of God. We have to recognize this beastly nature was present with me since the day of birth. And I don't want to live in that nature. Amen. Now you can believe that Jesus killed it and put it to death. I believe that I identify it every single day of my life. Cause sometimes I feel like it's coming up again. Now, maybe you're more spiritual than I am, but I deal with the beast in my own life. And I put it down. I said, I want the seal of God. I want the word of God on my forehead. I want the word of God in my actions. I don't want to live by the mark of the beast. I want to live by the seal of God. How many want the image of Christ to emerge from you? 
How many know the revelation is the unveiling of Jesus Christ in us? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Christ in heaven, Christ in you. The next great event of the church is not the, un not the rapture, but it's the unveiling of the sons and daughters of God. Not living in the beastly nature, but living in Christ's nature. That's the glorious thing that happens when we read the book of Revelation. Is Jesus is unveiled, not in the heavens, but in us. Not in the skies, but in the local church. That's what the book of Revelation is about. So the number of six, six, the number six, 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 we have to remember that we will conquer the enemy through the blood of the lamb and through the word of our testimony. But as I close, I want to just say, we're going to be joining together. We're going to be worshiping here on Wednesday, September 6th. We're coming together to have a night of worship based on the book of Revelation. But I want to remind you, Revelations 15, 2. It says, if you want, how many believe we're going to defeat the beast? <laughs> One of the greatest things, if you talk about defeating the beast, it's not with machine guns or bombs. It's, it's through worship. And it's through submitting your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, how many of you feel the presence of God when you worship, right? How many know that's why the enemy hates it? You feel the pleasure of God because you're worshiping Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. You're worshiping God, the Father. But the beast can't be over. The beast will lose if you worship. <laughs> What's your game plan? Worship. I feel like getting in my beastly nature. Worship. That beast will flee from you. You will defeat the beast through worship. We don't want to live in our sinful Adamic nature, which is the number of the beast. We don't want to be marked with the beast. We want to live in Christ's nature. But how do we get Christ's nature in us? Through his Holy Spirit, through his breath in his life, and through worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, honoring the son as you honor the father. This is where it lands. So I would encourage you, be a faithful, enduring worshiper. Recognize you can't do without it. There's so much beastly natures out there. There's so much of the image of the beast, everything happening in our society. We have to focus on worship. Let's stand together. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise. He's good. One of the things I want to pray, have prayed for people today and just have some of our prayer teams come up now is we want to impart the baptism of the Holy Spirit to people today who have never experienced the Holy Spirit, never experienced a breakthrough. You haven't received your prayer language or you want to see breakthrough in your life. You just say, I just need more of his spirit in my life. When we pray, remember, we are praying through the divine nature that's inside of us. We are linking you to the work that Jesus already accomplished. And when we pray, you're going to feel the presence of God, the spirit of God. And maybe right now you feel a presence. You feel a warmth. You feel an area of your body, even on your head, something you feel like some warmth on your body. If you're feeling anything right now, I want you to, anytime, even during I pray, I want you to just come up and receive prayer. But isn't that good? Because I believe the Lord is, if he's touching you right now, come on forward and let someone pray for you. Revelations 15, 2 says, And I saw standing beside the sea those who had been victorious over the beast. We're in Revelation 15, 2. How many are victorious over the beast? How many want to be victorious over the beast? <laughs> so we believe that victory will come over the beast. But I love it. We're going to get victory over the beast in its image, over the number of its name. That's what we'll do. We receive victory. And it says, they held harps given to them by God. <laughs> So, Father, I thank you today that you've called us to be worshipers, that that is our battle axe that we carry. 
to defeat the beast and its image in our lives. I pray today for a baptism of your spirit and fire upon everyone within the sound of my voice. I declare, Lord, every demonic force uh, messing with their minds, all this beastly nature, God, we declare it broken and defeated because we declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and that his blood has saved us and delivered us. And we thank you that we are victorious over the beast and its image. So we thank you right now. We worship Jesus. Come on, just worship Jesus right now. Come on, let's take another minute or so and just worship Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank him. Say that name. Begin to say the name of Jesus. Glory to you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, saints. Open your mouth this morning. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We glorify you, Jesus. Your blood has delivered me, Jesus. I'm empowered through you, Jesus. I am made new through you, Jesus. My beastly nature is destroyed through you, Jesus. That your seal is upon me, Jesus. That you've called me to be a voice, to be a hand, to be a heart, Lord, for this generation, Jesus. And I worship you today, Jesus. And we command that beastly nature out of our lives, out of our identity, out of our habits, out of our schedule. We declare Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise this morning. He is good. He is good. Thank you, Lord. If you need prayer this morning, if you feel any anything on your life right now, we're going to believe God to touch you. Thank you guys for being with us. We love you. Have a great week. God bless. Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. For more information about the ministry of Gateway Church and Pastor Chris Monahan, go to igateway.org.